Ayanka Jess became concerned after female colleagues, friends, and family reported being shut out of any sport-related discussions where men were involved. Particular examples for me uh, were when I spoke to a friend of mine and she said, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I was getting ready to go out for dinner with my husband. And uh, he said to me, what are you going to say about the Blue Jays? Let's talk about it first at home because I don't want you to embarrass me. Mind you, this person is, is like me, is, is a Toronto sports fan, um, loves sports and, and has a lot of opinions about sports and is well capable enough to talk about sports. Another woman told me that she was uh, eating dinner with her family, her husband and was there. And so was her father-in-law. And she was talking about the Raptors and wanted to say something that she learned on the radio or that she had read about the Raptors the day before and the whole table stopped, uh, looked at her slightly, kept on talking over her. So we're starting to see, you know, women, whether they're at work and they, they're at the water cooler and they want to talk about sports with their boss, they just kind of feel, felt, feel hesitant to jump in the conversation. On top of this, Ayanka points out that it's harder to keep girls in sports with stats that show alarming dropout rates in the early teens. In response, Ayanka formed She's for Sports, an organization that advocates for more equitable representation of women in sports by, among other things, profiling women involved in a wide variety of sport-related careers. Um, there was a time when we would reach out to some people and then, you know, they'd say, okay, well, my friend's in lacrosse and she's working at this job. Do you want to interview her? Now people are DMing me on Twitter and Facebook saying, hey, like, you know, I know this woman who's an, a, an umpire or I know this woman who's working in marketing for a soccer league. Like now it's coming to me because we've built that sort of community. And I, I always kind of want to leave that feeling with women that we're all in this together. Like to change diversity, it's not just she's for sports, it's all of us. And if we can continue to profile each other and women that are doing great things, we'll get the word out there. And if we're loud enough, I'm, I'm, I believe there will be some change. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Ayanka tells us about a recent She's for Sports event, Women at Bat. And she has some great advice for people trying to build a change-making organization from the ground up. She's for Sports founder Ayanka Jess on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Today we're talking with Ayanka Jess of She's for Sports. We're so excited, Ayanka, to have you here for an episode of Run It Like a Girl. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me why, why you felt it was necessary to start this organization, where that, uh, that passion came from. The passion came from a couple of conversations I had with women at work, women who are in my family and friends who I went to school with, and they would just tell me that whenever they wanted to engage in sports or talk about it, they just kind of felt either hesitant or they felt like they couldn't engage on their own to just get into the conversation. They felt like they had to ask permission to start talking about sports. And particular examples for me uh, were when I spoke to a friend of mine and she said, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I was getting ready to go out for dinner with my husband. And uh, he said to me, what are you going to say about the Blue Jays? Let's talk about it first at home because I don't want you to embarrass me. Mind you, this person is, is like me, is, is a Toronto sports fan, um, loves sports and, and has a lot of opinions about sports and is well capable enough to talk about sports. Another woman told me that she was uh, eating dinner with her family, her husband and was there and so was her father-in-law. And she was talking about the Raptors and wanted to say something that she learned on the radio or that she had read about the Raptors the day before and the whole table stopped 
uh, looked at her slightly, kept on talking over her. So we're starting to see, you know, women, whether they're at work and they, they're at the water cooler and they want to talk about sports with their boss, they just kind of feel, felt, feel hesitant to jump in the conversation. Um, and I, I didn't understand why that was happening and I wanted to do something about it. I think that's awesome because I think, you know, even me and I do have a limited knowledge of sports, but if you, if that's what the conversation is, I want to take part. And I do find sometimes uh, if you are at a group of table with men, they won't even look at you. They don't, even, they don't want your... They don't think you have an opinion on it. No, um, because for some reason uh, in society, culturally, people think that when, the gender that likes sports the most, they're male, right? But that's not the case. I mean, through Shoes for Sports, we have been able to feature a lot of women in sports working on the field as coaches, working in the front office, um, on the business side, and they are contributing. They're contributing in great ways to, to sports, a lot of different types of sports. Um, these women are just, we don't know their names, you know? Visibility representation is really important to me. Um, it's important because, you know, we start to see a lot of the statistics with young girls, they're dropping out of sports. There's some of their parents are like, we're looking for role models for our kids at sports, and we, we, we're not seeing the media report on them. And I feel I felt like She's for Sports uh, had a great place to play in, in that and increasing that representation. Absolutely. And I guess I, I'd love to ask you, so how do you think that we empower women and young girls to make sure that they do have a voice, that they, they are afraid to share their um, knowledge of sports? And that's a great question. You know, um, I bumped into a, a teacher who's a phys ed teacher at school, and she said, you know, it's getting really hard to keep the girls interested more in sports. The boys, they'll, they'll jump in, they'll do it. They want to participate and try out for every type of sport. But girls, um, you know, with studies, they're noticing once they hit puberty, they're dropping out of sports. So I think it's conversations, right? It's, it's parents talking to their kids about sports. It's parents using different resources online, including She's for Sports, to show them that these women are in these roles. These women are contributing in great ways. Some of the women I've met, they've played professional sports or regional sports up until their adult life. And then they've segued that into a job uh, in the sports industry, um, just so they can continue with the sport. They have pa- a passion for it and that they're vi- they're working in these as a career, you know? Um, so I think it's conversations that need to be had. I think it's visibility, you know, with uh, different leagues and fan engagement when they engage with women and girls, you know, um, show a, a very equitable view of fans who like sports, show women, show girls in a very natural way you know a lot of the women I speak to they don't want to be brand marketed to in a way where it's a, a pink branded item or a fitted glittery top they want to be marketed to as just a, a, a sports fan let's start there and they want to be in those conversations they want to feel like they can they can reach out to uh, you know the NHL or the Blue Jays and have a, a normal conversation with them if they like the sport and not feel like they're being sort of segmented uh, yes I said with this type of a branding and marketing plan that's just it doesn't really speak to them on a natural level mm-hmm. yes I can see that um so in the late summer there's been lots of uh there was a lot of um kind of blow up on Twitter around Serena Williams and an outfit that she wanted to be able to wear in another competition that helps her after um having her baby with uh blood clots I think it is and she's been told she's not allowed to wear it um I think that's a, that kind of probably affects other people, right? That they start to be afraid to use their voice. If someone like Serena Williams is being told no, how are they supposed to? So I just love your thoughts on that. And Yeah, you know, it, it really took off uh, on Twitter. And, you know, I loved her response. She was very classy in her response. She talked about, you know, I'm not wearing the same outfit twice and that she doesn't have an issue with the the, the, the tournament sponsors and so forth. But I think it, it also creates a larger discussion on the policing of women's bodies. You know, like we don't... 
don't see media or articles out there that say, you know, um, you know, a certain tennis player um, can't wear uh, a certain pair of socks or shoes. Like for some reason, it's always um, policing and, and, and looking at women and their clothing and what they're wearing. And we're, we've moved away from their talents. Like, you know, like we've moved away from talking about them as just professional and talented athletes. It's always about their clothes. I remember reading something about another tennis athlete who had was doing an interview somewhere and uh, the interviewer said to her, can you stand up and give us a twirl in your skirt? You would never, ever ask any other professional athlete or athlete at all to do that. So I just think that the conversation has to shift away from what women are wearing. I mean, for Serena's case, it was actually something that was going to help her health. You know, it was a medical, it was something that was going to help her get better, help her uh, to be able to compete and still stay healthy, you know. So there's many issues um, with, as I said, the policing of women's bodies and just health and women and men not understanding sometimes that, you know, um, that it just wasn't called for. I think they could have handled it a little differently. I mean, there's a lot of different leaks that maybe the, the uh, you know, outfits change or uh, materials change or, you know, even for baseball, they, you know, they had an issue with changing the actual design of a baseball. Like there's just, there, there was a different way to handle that. And I don't think singling her out and then talking about that outfit was the best way that they could have done it. Yeah. And, but, but you know what, sometimes when you see these things happen, um, you're not saying, okay, uh, what, you're not saying, okay, that it was a great conversation. You're kind of saying, what could they take out of it to to change the viewpoint of how society views women in sports? I think this has opened a big discussion, and Absolutely. I think um, I hope the tournament doesn't shy away from it. I hope they look at it like, you know, maybe, maybe we kind of missed the mark on how we, we message we, we wanted our outfits to change, and maybe we need to include women and mothers and athletes who have different experiences, um, transgendered athletes, everybody into a conversation to talk about, are we getting some things right here? Are we getting some things wrong? I think it's, it's bringing in all those different voices to solve mm-hmm. the issue. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It absolutely has opened up conversations. Yeah. And I think now it's just um, getting people to listen. Right? And, and getting people to change because I think something like that has a trickle, a ripple effect down the line and how it might affect someone that isn't in the position of power that Serena Williams is in to be able to stand up and say no or say I have to wear this or why does it matter? And what I like is that, you know, because as you know, with social media conversations happen every day and sometimes if you dwell on something and not, a, a, you know, treat it in the right way, things can become very soured. Mm -hmm. And I think she did, she took a a very good approach. She's trying to continue the conversation about mothers. That's where it should be, you know? Are the supports there, are the resources there? Can mothers give each other advice? Mothers, not just in the sporting world, but mothers in general. So she's really reaching um, a a lot of women to say, you know what, you have a voice. Let's talk about some of the issues we all face, you know? Some people don't want to talk about some of the scary parts of of being a mom or, you know, delivering a baby they just want to say you know mostly what we see with celebrities is uh you know they had a baby and now they have their like 10 pounds lighter yes. and they look great and they've got abs and i think she's changing that conversation conversation she's saying yeah i did have blood clots and that's actually a real thing um the doctors were helping me through this i have days when you know i don't feel like i know she said on twitter she doesn't feel like she's the best mother i think a lot of other women are feeling that and i think she she definitely gives them that space to talk about it in a very you know honest and natural way and i'm, I'm glad she's kind of doing that with with her platform yes absolutely it's using your platform for positivity. It's amazing. Um, I'd like to switch a little bit now to kind of talk about you yes. and, uh, and talk a little bit about, you know, you, you saw an issue and you decided to do something about it. A lot of people see an issue and they'd love to do something about it, but they don't. They, yeah. you know, life, whatever, they just don't do it. Um, how do you instill the sense of actioning something that you see uh, needs to be changed? How do you get others to kind of join up 
and make sure their voice is heard. You know, one thing that has stood out in my mind is uh, a couple weeks ago, I was invited by CIBC Bank. They have um, this initiative for women. It's their design challenge. And really, they just bring uh, women from different areas um, at the bank, you know, different levels, I should say, to to address an issue, see if they can organically come up with some solutions. And I believe the issue, their hackathon that they had, had to do with diversity and gender bias and how can we create solutions in the bank to deal with those topics. And what really stood out to me was when I stood up there to give my presentation, I said, you know, like Schuster's Force just launched two years ago. I still consider it a baby and passion project. Uh, But there is power in starting something small. There's impact. With small initiatives, there's great impact. And that's kind of how I've seen my trajectory with Schuster Sports for the two years. Because sometimes people will come up to you and say, well, you don't have a lot of corporate backing. You know, you don't have a, a full-time social media person. Um, and maybe Drake or Bieber's not endorsing your product and you're not viral. But you can still make an impact with a small initiative. Mm-hmm. I see it, you know, with your podcast. And, you know, sometimes people say small. That's kind of a, you know, you're diminishing what you do. But it for me, it was a grassroots project, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it didn't come with all these big... Uh, you know, this big backing, mm-hmm. um, but it's making an impact. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, people can see that um, you don't have to wait around for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, why don't you start your own cook- cookbook blog or something. You don't have to wait around if you're trying to solve an issue with poverty or you want to get women's voices heard and, and talk about, you know, uh, career opportunities and leadership. Just do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how I've always been. And I think um, my story in particular, I tried to encourage people by just saying, hey, look at me, you know, I, I just, you know, I got a, a logo together. I, I obviously have a background in communications and media. So I knew how to, you know, go on Facebook mm-hmm. and start a, a business page and also, you know, send out emails to colleagues and friends to say I'm doing this and try to put it in a very succinct way um and you can still make um an impact i think people shouldn't wait because that's what i hear from a lot of people i'm waiting for for you know to get a big team together to help me with my company or i'm waiting for you know this financial backing or fundraising to come in that's great but sometimes when you wait and wait nothing happens so i would definitely tell people just do it yeah perfect i think, I think nike came up with that first but... <laughs> <laughs> well we'll take it that's fine. yes i i agree i think it's uh we can wait forever, right? The perfect moment is not going to happen. There's no perfect moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, so I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit maybe about mentorship mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, your personal views on mentorship. Have there been mentors that kind of helped you along the way? And uh, basically overall, what, you, what your views are on mentorship and how it can help, um, even particularly in industries like, uh, like sports. Mm-hmm. Mentorship is very important, and a lot of the women that I have had on my panel are, you know, we do a story and we interview them, you know, they, they always tell us examples of women who've mentored them, and men. I think men need to be a part of the discussion when it comes to diversity and dealing with the issues of gender bias and unconscious, unconscious bias. They have to be a part of the conversation. It, it can't just be, you know, women trying to solve it. It's everybody, because it's an everybody issue. Yes. Um, so I would definitely say in my, my, my life or my experience, I've had a lot of women mentoring me but I think um what you're noticing now is there was a time when people would say okay traditional having a traditional mentor you meet up with them at a certain point you know you're held accountable to certain goals that you want to achieve or certain things that you're trying to action but I think you can have um 
untraditional ways of, of being mentored. It could be someone that, you know, you call every two weeks as your sounding board, you know, someone who has maybe more experience than you or who has done the same thing, started your own business or your entrepreneurial project or your passion project, and you want to bounce some ideas off of them. I think that could be a mentor too. Mm-hmm. It could be somebody who's just, you're a champion, you know, maybe you just need to pick me up every time you're going to hold your event. You need someone to tell you, hey, you've got this, you know, stay focused. Um, and, and then maybe it's someone that comes to your event or sees an initiative that you do and they give you critical feedback. You know, I think mentorship doesn't have to just be one way. It could be a lot of different, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different models for, for mentorship. But I think it's very important. And I've seen women who are trying to, to get into different sides of sports say, um, you know, their mentors have helped push them, have helped, you know, lays on them with somebody else to get a different job so I think there's just different different models of mentorship but it's I think it's very important uh, yeah I absolutely agree I think a lot of times people get into like this notion that they have to do it on their own or they have to make it by themselves but I don't think anybody's actually ever made it on their own no. <laughs> and uh, I love your point about having males at the table because how do you solve anything with only 50% there um, so I, I love that <laughs> um, so I have uh, I have a couple more questions, but uh, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna ask I have one that I end with, but I'm gonna ask it now because I think this is a good segue. Um, so if you could go back to before, just before you started your uh, your initiative, um, is there what kind of and you sat down with yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? What what would that conversation look like? I think I would tell myself, you know, don't wait for everything to line up just do it. And I ended up doing it. But I, with this initiative, I knew from a while back, I always wanted to do something with women and girls. At the time, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And then with those conversations and those women, that with the women I was having, and just seeing that gap in the market that there wasn't really any uh, network or any type of um, digital campaign or project, to my knowledge, in Toronto, and in Canada, that was doing exactly what I was doing to give these women a voice, you know, doing the digital side and interviewing them and then profiling them on social and then holding these live events. I didn't really see that out there. Um, I can say I'm starting to see a lot more um, different initiatives pop up. And sometimes there are, there are existing initiatives, but there wasn't really a lot of profile on them. So you wouldn't know either. Um, so I think I would have just told myself, just, just go and do it. Don't wait for everything to be lined up and um, continue to tap into your, your network of women. Um, for anybody who is trying to figure out how do you build a brand or start, you know, in community engagement, tap into your LinkedIn networks, tap into friends you maybe went to high school with who, uh, you know, are maybe working in the sector industry that you're trying to engage with, because really um, it, it's, it's all about uh, relationships and connecting. I, I, I'm a big believer of that. Now with Shoes for Sports, um, there was a time when we would reach out to some people and then, you know, they'd say, okay, well, my friend's in lacrosse and she's working at this job. Do you want to interview her? Now people are DMing me on Twitter and Facebook saying, hey, like, you know, I know this woman who's an, a, an umpire or I know this woman who's working in marketing for a soccer league. Like now it's coming to me because we've built that sort of community. And I, I always kind of want to leave that feeling with women that we're all in this together. Like to change diversity, it's not just Shoes for Sports, it's all of us. And if we can continue to profile each other and women that are doing great things we'll get the word out there and if we're loud enough I'm, I'm, I believe there will be some change awesome so what's next what's next for well we had a very exciting sold out uh, women at bat event where we featured four women in baseball uh, different areas of baseball we had um, Nikki Huffman who's with the Blue Jays as the head of athletic trainer we had um, Dana Buckman who sorry Dana Buckman who is uh, started her own Toronto Girls Baseball League we had Alexis Brudnicki who's worked in all areas of pretty much of, of baseball you know I was invited by the MLB to, to do a scouting uh, 
a training initiative to be a part of it. Um, she was a, a journalist and writer in baseball. And then we had April Weitzman, who's working with a digital company now to engage sports brands uh, and, and to increase their fan engagement. So we had a lot of voices at the table. And those are the type of events that we continue, we want to continue to have. We want to show different women working in different areas of sports and to really just profile them and, and share all the great stuff they're doing and, and to get their feedback and advice on what can we do to increase diversity in sports. And they had a lot to say. I will say to people to, to stay tuned on our social feed uh, for the video clip. And after that, I mean, we're, I'm always looking for something new. That's what people will find <laughs> with me. I, I may not stick with the same sport. I may find a different angle. Um, and we've ha- we've got a couple of story ideas that have come in. Um, so I'm just kind of reviewing them and looking at them. And I think that I will definitely keep you posted. Amazing. Absolutely. Keep me posted. And um, if, some, if other people want to get involved or they want to, you know, reach out or they have ideas, how do they, how do they get in touch with you? Very simple. So you can find us across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at she's for sports so it's s-h-e-s the number four sports um, you can also email me she's for sports again at gmail.com um, and just yeah check us out on digital we're, we're there and we're always trying to post uh, interesting things about women in sports and and things about our events and um, our initiatives and uh, yeah we'd love to hear from we'd love to hear from everyone awesome well Ayanka I want to thank you so much for joining us today it was a absolute pleasure having you here and uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Thanks so much for having me. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, Dr. Jody Cairns is a librarian at the University of Akron in Ohio. She talks about the experience of becoming a single mom while in the middle of her undergrad degree and the interesting and important work she does preserving historical records at the Cummings Center for the History of Psychology. Dr. Jody Cairns on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.